You're listening to the Violence Design Lab podcast, episode 10. Welcome to the Violence Design Lab podcast. Now here's the mad scientist himself, David Barefoot. Greetings. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm David Bareford. Hey, just as a reminder, there's a bit less than a week left to vote in the Hotspur Challenge. If you're not familiar with the challenge, it was a contest I put out to people to design the Hotspur versus Prince Harry fight from Shakespeare's Henry IV Part One, using techniques derived from historical sources rather than what you might call mainstream stage combat styles. We got some great entries, and you can check out the two finalists at violencedesignlab.com forward slash Hotspur. That's H-O-T-S-P-U-R. Watch them both and vote for your favorite. The polls close at midnight on April 24th. Though if you missed that, we'll keep the links up on the website for a while to showcase their fantastic designs. And if you find this podcast useful, do take a minute to review the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher and give me a five-star rating like this panda guy thing did, who said, great and informative, a wealth of knowledge on stage violence and combat and how it can be designed better, worth subscribing and listening. See, reviews like that not only make my whole day, but they move my feet up the rankings and they help other people find me. And of course, you can also share the podcast on your social media flavor of choice. Now, if this is your first episode, welcome. Great to have you. If you've caught some previous episodes or if you've talked with me for, well, any length of time, you'll know my particular design aesthetic in theatrical violence tends towards marrying the illusions and safety principles of stage combat with the tactics and techniques found in historical fighting treatises. Now, while I am by far not the only one out there putting historical styles on stage, the worlds of historical European martial arts, or HEMA, and stage combat have largely operated in very separate spheres. There just hasn't been a lot of crossover, and there have been some misconceptions and even some mistrust from both camps. That's one of the main reasons why I started up the Violence Design Lab, to encourage stage combat people to expand their style vocabulary and to encourage those who already study HEMA to bring their skills to the stage. Because I straddle the gap between both sides, so to speak, I tend to get a lot of questions about how to go about translating from one to the other. And one concern that comes up often from the martial arts perspective is... How do I communicate the fuelin in the fight to the audience? It's so important, and there's just no way to show it. Now, I know some of you are out there nodding, going, yeah, that's true, it's way too subtle. Maybe a close-up on film, but even then. And others of you are saying, David, what the heck are you talking about? I don't even sprechen Sie Deutsch, and I suspect from your Yankee accent, you don't either. Well, so first of all, what is it? Well, fuelin or if you prefer the French, the sentiment de faire, is the ability to sense an opponent's intention using the various pressures transmitted through the weapons during blade contact. It's, it's the feeling when the swords cross, and you can tell if your opponent is hard or soft in the bind, which helps determine your response and next action. Now, this sensation is critical to su- success in a bouting situation, and it could have been the difference between life and death when swords clashed on real battlefields. For example, if your opponent strikes down an offendente or an oberhau and you counter by striking up into his blade, your options for your next actions change based on whether you displace his blade or not. If you do, meaning he's soft in the bind, you can, con- cho- you can choose to continue lifting his weapon and then strike back down to his head or perhaps continue to bind out his sword and step in for some grappling. 
But if you can't displace his blade, meaning he's hard in the bind, you might try a duplarian or allow the opponent's blade to pass through and strike behind it with Fiori's Copal de Villano or something like that. Now, the thing is, it takes a great deal of practice and experience to reliably use fuel in an alive bout, since your choice of response must be nearly instantaneous. I mean, your opponent isn't going to humor you by hanging out in the crossing. So this means that, to be effective, each possible option from a particular engagement must be drilled and drilled until it's nearly automatic or it'll be too late. Well, part of the irony of drills to learn fueling is that the purposely limited options of a teaching drill and the repetition itself can create a false, almost choreographic sequence in which students can find themselves moving by rote, you know, without thinking. They leave the bind without protecting against a counterattack because they know their partner isn't going to do that. Oh, and they end up ba generally banging their swords together. In short, the very things we rail for on, on actors for doing in the fights we see on the stage and in movies. Ironic, yes? Well... Speaking of actors, many HEMA folks have warned me, too, that actors rarely have the level of training needed to detect an opponent's intention in the bind or crossing. And there's just no choreographic way of demonstrating the, complex, the, the complexities of sensing Fulin to an audience. And here, I have to say, in 25 years of designing fights, I have to say that the naysayers might be right here. See, I don't know either how to show sentiment affair in choreography. You, uh, you can't fight the fulin, I guess. <laughs> Sorry. Wait, what? The mad scientist is, is admitting defeat? Am I telling you that this experiment of Hema on stage doesn't work at all? No. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Now, you and I agree that the idea of fulin is important in a real fight, which means it should be visually represented in well-designed stage fights. And yet, I just told you it's nigh impossible to express in choreography. Well, so how is this possible? Well, here's the secret. It's possible because the violence designer isn't the only one creating the fight. <gasps> That's right. Remember those moving things that carry your swords around? You know, actors? Yep, yeah, actors are a lot more than pretty dress-up dolls that you use like puppets to show off your choreography. I mean, as much as we, and yes, myself included, like to joke about actors breaking our things and being clueless and generally self-absorbed, actors, good ones, are artists and craftspeople who rigorously train to learn a highly complex and nuanced field of study. A skilled actor uses every bit as much technique as, as you can find in the flower of battle or the art of combat. And just like a scholar fighting with sprezzatura, you'll never see three-quarters of what they're doing because they make it look easy. And acting also has plenty of technical language, too, just like historical sword work. So, we were talking about fulin or sentiment de faire. Yeah, actors have a word for that, too. They call it subtext. Now, subtext is called that because it refers to what's going on under the lines. It's what's really being said, and it's what the character is really going after, and it's all the conditions that have happened to the character thus far in the story that informed how they're going to react next. Ever watched a scene where the main character has some big secret that will hugely affect his relationship with a friend if it's found out, and the two of them are having a seemingly normal conversation, but you can tell a lot of the lines have a double meaning to the main character, even though he says nothing directly about the secret? Ever see that? Yet that's subtext. 
I mean, look at a transcript of the actual words they speak. There's nothing there in the lines. Yet, you see it, and even sometimes hear it in the main character's voice when those actors inhabit the characters in the scene. And that is how Fulin shows up in your fights. It's part of the subtext that's going on between the characters. Ultimately, Fulin is nothing more than a sensitivity, an awareness to what the other person is giving you, and a willingness to respond to that. In a fight, I mean, Fulin is an important part of the relationship between the two characters. It's the conversation of the swords, as my friends at Glecka and Melbourne like to say. It's, it's one of the ways that a character senses what she should do next based on the relationship with the opponent. Now, does that mean you go in without a plan, without a strategy? No, you better have some kind of plan or you're going to get mugged. But if you come into a crossing with preconceived notions or a sequence of tactics planned out that you're going to stick to and be damned what the other person is doing, what's going to happen? You'll lose. Oh, by the way, is it difficult to tell when I'm talking about acting and when I'm talking about fighting? Good. See, one of the big takeaways I want you to remember from this episode is that acting and fighting are much more similar than they are different. In fact, I'm fond of saying that stage combat is a microcosm of acting. It's the same thing, only, honestly, a bit easier because the relationship is physical and direct rather than emotional and often indirect like human relationships. Acting is reacting. I mean, that truism is a well-worn, almost hackneyed proverb that I have no idea who said first, but it's true. Acting is active listening. You can't react if you're not listening, if you're not paying attention. Now, you can substitute fighting instead of acting in that statement almost word for word, can't you, right? Fighting is reacting. Fulen is active listening. You can't react if you're not listening. See, it totally works. Actors train and train to develop this active listening, to react truthfully under imaginary circumstances, like acting teacher Sanford Meisner was fond of saying. But the fact remains that they will almost never train with swords long enough to be able to listen through the blade and use fueling in their fights. Even worse, there's no guarantee that their fight partner will be sending the right signals through the bind to prompt the next bit of choreography appropriately. So what do we do? Well, simple. Tell the actors what's going on in the fight relationship. Remember, there's no such thing as a sword fight, or a fist fight, or a knife fight, or a gun fight. There's only a fight between characters expressing itself in whatever tools are available to them. It's all a relationship. And Fulin is nothing more than a physical way to take the pulse of that relationship in a very brief moment of time. And... Spoiler alert, actors don't need to use Fulin in real time. They're not doing a spontaneous fight whose outcome is uncertain. Every move is meticulously spelled out long ahead of time, and it's practiced more than any other single moment in the show. Think about that. They'll do those fights dozens, scores, maybe a hundred times before opening, whereas each acting scene might get two or three passes before full run-throughs start. I mean, if a scene has been run 20 times before opening, that's a crazy amount of rehearsal for that moment. But a fight? Only rarely with experienced uh, fighters can approach performance level with fewer than 20 runs. So, the actors already know what'll happen next in the fight, but if you just teach the moves, 
Well, then that's all you'll get because that's all the actors have to go on. And then you'll see one of those all-too-common fights that look exactly like your move, my move, your move, my move, and not like a relationship. Your fight will not even read as real and as authentic as the rest of the show, no matter if your choreography was lifted straight from Capofero's plates or, or not. You have to teach the actors why the moves are the way they are. Tell them what the character's plan is with each move. Tell them what clues they are giving to and getting from the opponent and how that informs their next action. You see, actors understand tactics. I mean, literally, one of the fundamental acting methods is the concept of goal, other, tactic, expectation. In other words, what do I want? What is the other person doing to stop me from getting it? How will I defeat or get around that? And whatever method I choose, I expect to be successful right up until it isn't. Does that sound at all familiar? I want to hit you, so I swing at your head as I step in, but you counter with a strong parry hard in the bind. So I wrap my I wrap around to smash my pummel into your face, and why is my sword arm in a ligadura suddenly? Yeah, see, actors get tactics, they do, but you have to tell them. Show them. I mean, they're not going to intuit Tallhoffer's tactics right out of the gate. But just like you, actors spend most of their practice time working on fuelin or subtext and tactics. It's true. It's funny because people often ask actors, how do you learn all of those lines? Which is a lot like asking you, how do you remember all those parries and guard positions? But if you ask any actor, the lines are the least of their problems. By a couple weeks into rehearsal, line memorization is required or inspected, and some actors will be off book much earlier than that. But what about uh, moving around the stage and standing in the right places? The blocking? Yeah, that takes about two or three rehearsals for the director to give out. So what are they doing for the rest of the time they're rehearsing? Tactics. Actors are honing their senses to figure out what that other person on stage is giving them. And then, when they sense their tactic isn't working, they're switching it up to overcome that person and get what they want anyway. So, use this. Feed into this. Use the actor's obsession with tactics and explain what's going on under your choreography. Give them the subtext. I promise you, the actors will start fighting with Fulin. Well, if you've liked this episode, you can find all of them on the website at violencedesignlab.com. You can also find the lab on Facebook at facebook.com slash violencelab. And of course, if you have something to tell me, like a compliment or a constructive criticism question or a topic suggestion, I love those, you can always email me at violencedesignlab at gmail.com. Well, once again, thanks for joining me, and I look forward to talking with you next week. Until then, keep the fights on stage and peace in your life. David, out. I can't fight this fear.